Welcome to the podcast that's dedicated to helping business owners prepare their business for exit so that you can maximize the valuation and exit on your terms. This is the Exit Insights podcast presented by Succession Plus. I'm Daryl Bates-Brownsort and today I'm talking to Colin Mills. Colin is the founder of the international business, the CFO Center. Welcome and thanks for joining me today, Colin. <clears throat> Hi, Daryl. Glad to be here. That's good. Colin, look, we've known each other a long time, so listeners may pick up that uh, there's some uh, familiarity there between us, which I think is fantastic. I've I've seen Colin's business grow, and I've seen a lot of the work that the CFOs he works with, you know, the, the value they bring to the, the clients they work with. And so I just thought it's about time I got Colin on the podcast to share some of his insights and thoughts behind uh, uh, how we pulled the CFO Center together. So Colin, look, First thought is, I know that you've personally been involved in a number of exits with working as a CFO for your clients, and and you've been quite, I guess, you know, humble in in the results and the impact that you're able to make uh, to to some of those businesses. So we don't have to name names, but what I want to tap into is the role of the CFO when they're a fractional CFO working with their clients, and the client says, right. It's time to change direction. I want us to change our brief. I want us to start thinking about um, preparing the business for exit. I think I want to get out in two, three, five years time, whatever the headline is. What goes through the CFO's mind when when they get that message from the founder of the business? Yeah, I think, well, sometimes, of course, sometimes it happens that way. Sometimes it doesn't happen that way. Sometimes you get a call from an interested party and you do need to respond quite quickly. But for those business owners that um, have got perhaps a longer-term perspective or they've just decided after um, some consideration that exit really is the name of the game, um, my normal advice um, really is, um, okay, well, let's, what, you know, what timescales are we talking about? And start from start from the end and work backwards. So, what was it, Stephen Covey, wasn't it, that once said, "Start with the end in mind." Yeah. So, I, I, I think starting from that perspective is really important, and creating a storyboard um, beyond that uh, exit point is important because people. You know, when they're buying a business, they're ultimately, in financial terms, they're buying future cash flows. Yep. So not only getting to that exit point, but being able to tell the story beyond that exit to any buyer, potential buyer coming in, is like really, uh, really important. So building up to the exit and the logic associated with that and doing, you know, lots of sensible things like data rooms and all the rest of it is important. But yeah, start with the end in mind, but not allow the story to finish there, be able to paint the story beyond uh, that exit point um, from the client's perspective. So we're, we're trying to produce something that just presents the future of the business and the stability of the business and the likelihood continuity of the business in a really good light. <clears throat> yeah, and, and, I, and I think that's important to bear in mind. Of course, then, there's a lot of hard work in terms of getting to that point. And something that buyers also going to be interested in is the amount of risk that they're buying. So making sure that your contractual positions, I'm sure CFOs that you've spoken to in the past or any person involved in an exit 
will often say making sure that contracts are in place, um, documentations in place such that you don't get to the 11th hour and a buyer is in a situation where they can chip you on price. That's not, that is not a happy situation to be in. Often at 2.30 in the morning, just as you're about to close and some gap in your information requirements is exposed and you're looking at some sort of chip in price, which is, like I say, not the greatest position to be in. So you just sort of provided an insight there uh, around a gap in the information. Is there some sort of CFO handbook, shall we say, that says here's all of the information that a business will need to present to a buyer so that you know all gaps are closed? Uh, uh, all jokes aside, what, what sort of things are we looking at that, that the buyers want to look at? Because yeah. I guess we're trying to show you know, people who haven't quite started the journey yet, you know, just to set some expectations for them. Yeah, I think there's some obvious stuff like um, a, a lot of it does revolve around the numbers and the legalities. At the CFO Centre, we have a, our M&A checklist, which is over several pages. But I'm just trying to think if I'm a, if I'm listening to this podcast, what are the main things um, that I want to cover off? I think the main things are in terms of your history, um, you know, being able to produce um, good, solid financial numbers, whether they're audited or not, depends on the size of the business, of course. But if you've got three or four years solid track record in terms of history, and well-documented numbers, that helps. If there are any ups or downs within those numbers that they're adequately explained. What you need is, of course, also a good data room so that you've got your contracts in place, particularly with clients, also with key employees. These are things that perhaps some entrepreneurs, you know, and I'm one myself, they're not at the top of your list when you're running a business in terms of growth, but making sure, um, particularly on the contractual side of things, uh, that things are in place, particularly with clients and particularly with employees, principals, suppliers, such that anyone can understand that the numbers are supported as best they can be by um, good, solid um, contracts. So having those reviews in place, as I say, um, having the numbers in place, having story in place to explain why you are where you are, these are all, I think, fundamentals, really. Um, yeah, so there's a lot to do. Here's the thing, there's a lot to do. My overall advice, whether it's with CFO Centre or other people, connect with someone that's done this before because yep. if you're a business owner, it's probably the first time you've done it. Not many business owners sell a business twice, although I do know a few. Um, but um, yeah, so the, my best advice is really is just go and connect with somebody who's done this before that you feel comfortable with that can just help you through it. And over time, build up the history so that it's all not a mad panic at the um, 11th hour, because that's when things um, can slip through the net. Yeah. So, Colin, you were saying that, um, look, what, what we need to do is prepare a story where 
where you know what what someone's buying is effectively what's the likelihood of the cash flow or the growth of the business that has happened previously will continue in new hands and what's the risk to that ongoing cash flow and then and then in terms of due diligence um, and preparing what the cfo will do is go well how do i demonstrate the best that i can that all of that that uh, the key influences to that revenue generation and profit and cash flow is locked in as tight as it can whether that be employee contracts and, and agreements, and and I guess that's even locking in key employees, um, you know, post. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's 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 shareholder. It's 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 um, partnership agreements and and contracts. It's supplier contracts and agreements. So it's everything related to the revenue chain is is locked in, and you know we're building a, a foundation to protect the revenue we've got. And then moving forward, it, that comes to the what are the future strategies and what are the future opportunities that the business has and has already identified that perhaps they're even putting them on a platter to, to the new owners. Is that where we're headed? Sounds like you've done this before, Daryl. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a great, you know, that's a great summary. Um, it's not rocket science, but, you know, any buyer is always going to be... Um, I say this in just in a, in a in a real way. They're going to be cynical about what they what they think they're buying is what they're going to get, um, and so therefore um, they don't want to be uh, that purchaser where um, you know the revenue and the income and the cash flow falls apart the year after the business is bought. So they're naturally going to be looking for where there are holes in the records or the story of any business that they're buying. Yeah. And we've spoken to accountants in the past where the accountant said, hey, look, when the client first started working with me, they asked me to prepare the business to be as tax efficient as possible. And by making those choices, there, there are certain consequences and, and uh, that we have to do to make it as tax efficient as possible. The client never came to us and said, hey, look, we need to change that brief. We now, we now want to go for an exit. So therefore, we need to make the business as valuable as, pos as possible. And yeah. uh, the accountants are coming to us and sort of saying, look, if the client only gave us that brief or changed the brief with enough insight or, 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 or runway, we would have been able to make a significant impact on the value of the business. As it was, the client's going, hey, look to the buyers, look, honestly, it's, it's dealing a whole lot more uh, profit. It's a whole lot more lucrative than it looks. But the buyer's going, I need some assurance that you, what you're telling me and what the numbers, they, they don't just add up. So I guess that's where the, the CFO comes in and, and presents and builds a story um, and, and make sure everything is rock solid and has, has accounts that prepared and, and adjusted and normalized accounts for, for the buyers and you know, yeah. whatever. For sure. That's, that's why I say, Daryl, it's like you need to start with the end in mind. So if the end in mind is to just run the business for tax maximization, I mean, that, that, that's fine um, if, if that's a remit. However, yep. you don't want the uh, tax tail wagging the business dog, as it were, when it comes to exits. And therefore, yep. you know, what, what you need to build into the business is going to be uh, different in, in, in those scenarios. So yep. just recognizing that and giving, you know, and giving the business enough time to get in the best shape such that, 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 um, that anyone exiting gets the best valuation at the end of the day. Yeah. And... And a good deal or a good exit is when the buyer thinks it's a fantastic deal and the seller thinks it's a fantastic deal. And then, yeah, yeah I think that's probably true. I mean, I think probably someone once said to me, a, a, a good deal is when 
is when the buyer thinks uh, they paid a bit too much and when the seller thinks they haven't quite got enough. That's another way around of saying it. But you do want, I, I think you want, I mean, a good deal for me is to, you know, a couple of years after the event that the buyer thinks actually he has got a good deal and a couple of years after the event, the, the seller is really enjoying the, you know, the lifestyle that they've created for themselves. Yeah. So I think uh, in all, although maybe some accountants wouldn't say that, I think and understanding where the mutual benefits really sit, I think that's, you know, that's important. And for some sellers, of course, price, of, co of course, it's going to be important. But it's not necessarily always the most important thing. Yeah. It depends, you know, whether they can whether they get 100% of the money in one go, whether that's, you know, the headline price might look good, but then you're tied in for three or more years after the event. Some business owners want to see the business end up in what they consider to be, you know, safe hands. So there are other emotional things at play just, you know, beyond simply um, just price. Depends what sort of seller you are and what you're looking to achieve from the exit at the end of the day. Yeah. Look, yeah, it's a good point. You know, business owners want to get the maximum price, but they've got some conditions around that. So, yeah, sometimes it's around the legacy and the continuity of the business. Some some owners, you know, have told us that they don't care if it gets split up and sold as long as they get a good a good valuation. And Absolutely, others yeah. go, hey, look, these employees, these are the people that helped me get here. Looking after them is the number one priority for us. So, yeah, and that's. That's, I guess, what it's all about, isn't it? Let's understand the client brief first, and then we can set it up to, to fulfill the, or meet those obligations. And sometimes, of course, what clients tell you that uh, initially isn't, isn't the real driver. So being just being able to, you know, in the right way, just probe around that. And yep. um, sometimes that comes out during the process as you begin to probe. And, you know, if you're experienced at this, you see and sense and almost smell things that um, begin to you know develop. So I think a good advisor is um, someone that can not just take it literally as read in the original brief because sometimes that you know that isn't the real driver. So so understanding what is I think helps create the right deal is my point <clears throat> yeah. for um, for the person exiting. Okay. So you've mentioned also a couple of times that um, you know, we, we need to begin with the end in mind. So given, imagine, um, so one of your CFOs is working with a, a client, one of their client businesses, and the client says, it gives them the brief, this is the situation where it's not someone coming banging on the door and, and where we're reacting or responding, but yeah. it's the client driving the process. What would be the ideal time frame or runway that you would like to have? Is it two years, is it five years? Yeah, I mean, generally speaking, I would say if it were me, in many ways, the more time, the better. Three to five years would be great. Um, I know one of the best exits that I personally worked on, it literally was a five-year time horizon. You know, I sat down with the business owner, well, owners and subsequently the management team, and we were really quite conscious and deliberate about... Um, about our five-year plan and building up to a situation. In many ways, you know, building the momentum in the business rather than just grabbing contracts 
um, almost willy-nilly to drive up revenue. We, we were, you know, we had the end in mind. We were creating a storyboard of the, of the sort of business that we wanted to build and how that storyboard would actually move forward um, beyond the exit. That was, a, that was just a great story because it was deliberate, it was conscious. Um, we did deliver what we thought we would deliver. And uh, what was best about it, best about it at the end of the day, there we are, I'm back on screen now, sorry about that, um, um, is we got a great price. I mean, we, I think we thought that we were going to um, sell the entire business for about 20 million. In fact, we sold um, half of it for that price and kept the other half to exit um, a few more years down the, uh, down the track. Um, so it was just a lovely story. Um, it, was a, it was a good management team. And um, yeah, we did it over a five-year period. Well, including the other half of the business, it was, um, it was a total period of eight years. But, you know, the business owners that um, I still uh, know very well to this day, you know, were very happy. And it was just a classic. It doesn't always happen that way, but it was just, we had, you know, plenty of time to get the data room in place. We made a strategic acquisition along the way, pre-exit as well. You know, there's a bit of price arbitrage on that. It was just a lovely story. It was planned. We executed. And, and actually, it, it, it delivered in, in, in all that we thought it would and more. So that was, that was a nice story. And that was a five-year plan. So, you know, we know if plans don't always come out as, as the way we hope, but if we've got a plan, we've got half a chance, right? So you mentioned five years. So what I'm really curious about is a lot of people express concern of, of who they involve in the process and, and, and you know, who, who's in, in the in a informed circle because there, there's concerns around all sorts of things when employees start to hear about, you know, people, uh, the business being considered for, for exit. How did you play that side of things? When who did you involve and 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 how? You know, did you lock them in? What did you do? How did you play that? Yeah, so um, we just involved the senior leadership team, so that was no more than like beyond the owners, half a dozen people. And yes, we did seek to incentivize and lock in those key people along the way. Yeah, and we chose not to um, create any general awareness within the staff that. Um, exit was the name of the game. That sort of fitted the style. I wouldn't say that's necessarily always got to be the case, but it, it certainly fitted the style of the owners. Um, and yeah, as it transpired, it worked. Um, uh, it worked really well um, as well. Yeah. And for those that are that are listening, um, I guess the normal concerns are: look, if if people think the business are being prepared for exit, that they they may feel vulnerable and, and look for for more secure employment, um, and you know, or what happens after the business is sold? You know, what happens? So they get concerned about their future. We don't want to create unnecessary concern. Um, you've gone in that scenario. We'll, we'll lock in. We'll incentivize the the senior management team, so the people who have most influence on building the valuation of the business, and we made it in their best interest to keep it confidential and and uh, you know build to the strategy. So there's some some good tips there for listeners. <clears throat> we're at five year time frame. We're building a story that you know you know dream run scenario. 
when the CFO gets that brief, what sort of things do they prioritize? Like we, we've got a strategic plan and you mentioned, hey, look, we've we got a nice little acquisition along the way there. And that boosted the, the valuation and, and had influence on the multiple, I expect. Just, but you know, do, do you think about, well, look, I've got to build, here's, here's a checklist of documents um, I need to prepare, or here's some reporting, or I need to make sure that all of my board minutes are in, in place. What yeah. sort of things get prioritized in, in the CFO's mind to, to uh, really ensure that nothing can be chipped away? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think, it's, I, I think it's attacking it from both ends. Um, and, you know, for me, um, so here's the thing. You know, clients are always going to be, ultimately, any price that anyone pays for a business really <laughs> based on future cash flows. Yep. So my driver is always about um, ensuring that we've got the best uh, evidence that those future cash flows are going to be um, uh, delivered on in a way which is sustainable and maintainable. And then I think in terms of building to that situation, you look to um, protect against the risk of uh, any buyer chipping on price because your documents aren't in place. Um, so the whole data room piece around, you know, even you know, to board minutes, um, uh, uh, shareholder discussions around dividends, no, you know, even making sure that the dividends. Um, forms are filled in, et cetera. That's all, that is all important for sure. Um, and I think that's where the classic accountant is going to make sure the risk side of things um, is covered off. In my own experience, I would employ, I would engage with one of our experienced CFOs to make sure the back door was shut around those risk things. And my focus was always about working on the strategy and the story going forward to support um, a valuation which might be, you know, higher than the uh, than the norm, and frankly, to put the business in the very best shape to deliver on that um, those forecasts and um, and that story. And I think sometimes um, when I look at business sales, people are too concerned about just shutting the back door. You're going to get, the truth is, if you can create an exciting picture, as it were, going forward, um, that is not just based on just a story per se, but is actually based on fact and the way that you shape the business and the way that you've positioned the business, you know, beyond simply the numbers, I think that's where the best valuation sits, if that makes sense. Yeah, look, it does. It presenting beyond the numbers and you mentioned earlier colin that um yeah so so what i'm hearing here is 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 part of the story of presenting the intangible assets um yeah. which is you know just part of the the demonstration or reducing the risk of, of future cash flows and if it's based on intangible assets such as brand and what have you then we need to bring that to light you mentioned and something that i want to explore a tad is you mentioned that um once you've made up your mind to do this, make sure you've got someone who's been on the journey before who can guide you through it and you know, a bit like a Sherpa. <clears throat> Apart from the CFO, are, are there any other professions or any other areas of expertise that you, you that come to mind where you think we want to build the valuation of the business? Um, 
who else is going to have a big impact on that for us? <clears throat> yeah, I think that depends partly on the industry that you're in, Daryl. Um, like if you're in, say, say, an environmental industry where you've got some environmental concerns, you, may, you need to make sure that, you know, you've got those um, covered off. Um, one person is always going to be um, really important in any sort of deal, deal here is the legal representation. So, you know, for me, I would always go and connect with people that I knew, I liked, I trusted, you know, that had been there before and, and done it before. Um, yeah, in the CFO Centre world, obviously, we're working with a number of preferred um, professionals, shall we say, that we know that we're going to be able to have, who are not just going to do a good legal job, but actually we know the relationship is going to be good because, you know, buying buying and selling a business is like emotions can run high. You need yeah. people around that you feel, you know, that the relationship is going to be right, that they can, and in a way, um, match... Uh, match that legal representation with um, with the business owners. So we wouldn't necessarily use the same lawyers each time, but ones that we felt were going to be, you know, matching off well with business owners. So definitely, um, I would say the key person that I would be looking at would be, yeah, the, the, the legal representation. And then dependent on the circumstances and situation that any business is in, if there were any sensitivities or concerns around future forecasts or, or things within the future forecast where there might be an element of risk then to involve those professionals you know where you um where you needed them yeah so that's great everyone always says look make sure you get the right legal representation and experienced person don't get your the guy who did your divorce or, or put your wills together yeah. um it's a totally different skill set so you've got to get the right representation there everyone says that <clears throat> sometimes i hear that um uh you know we want to get the brand if we've got a bigger business a, a business that's quite established and um we've got that that five-year time frame then that we really want to focus on getting that brand right and demonstrate that the brand is pulling clients to us and that, that, that the brand is added value so how do we how do we boost that and there's other areas of intangible assets that we want to focus on as well <clears throat> colin there's there's one more question that that's going through my mind that you might be able to help me with on behalf of business owners and that is it's not meant to be a trick question but but sometimes you know business owners ask and they go how do i make the decision between selling the shares or selling the assets of the business is that something where you guys get involved and and uh would would uh, shed some light yeah um that yeah that's a great that is that's that's a great question i think um yeah it's, it's the classic uh, accounting answer is like it depends <laughs> but if you want to be um depends on your your drivers um but generally speaking a set of shares generally speaking in my experience if you want to be able to walk away from uh the business it's a sale of shares that usually enables you to do that more easily than anything else because it's the equity and the risk that um as it were you're passing over to a new business owner so most of most of the sales that i've been involved in have been uh with the sale of uh, shares um there are some situations whereby i think a buyer typically often would like to buy the assets 
because um, they can physically see those. But my experience also is you're not going to get the best price uh, for the assets. So generally speaking, if you're looking to exit, I would be thinking I would be thinking shares though. Okay. So it may be a massive generalization, but if the business is prepared well and it's clean and tidy and we've we've documented everything that, that that's happening in the business, therefore we've minimized the risks, more likely to do a complete share sale, which makes it cleaner for the owners so that they can ideally minimize any sort of earnouts as much as they can, but just they, they, they know that the business is now completely moved on to the next stewards or, or guardians of of the the assets and uh the legacy that they've they've built yeah totally yeah absolutely well summarized yeah look that's that's really insightful colin and i really appreciate you sharing because what you've done is yeah i've known you for a long time and and i know there's so much experience there that you've forgotten more than most of us will ever know about exiting businesses look is there one thing is there one key point that you'd like business owners to consider um, when thinking about starting to get ready to, to you know, hand their business on or, or exit in one way through succession and exit? Um, yeah, well, actually, probably it's what I said right at the very beginning of this, uh, of, of, of this discussion, and that is, and I do, and I do mean this um, seriously, is to start with the end in mind, not just in terms of the price that you're going to get, but it's like, what are you going to do? Um, as well as the idea of exiting the business. I sometimes see, you know, through a, we've certainly been involved in sale processes where uh, oftentimes the business owner falls back in love with the business that yeah. he's decided that he wants to sell. So having those conversations earlier on about what exit um, looks like, not just in terms of, you know, departing from the business, but what you're going to do with your life and consider it, you know, considering your whole life um, situation. I think that for me is, you know, a really important part of it because you want to be um, exiting a business and knowing what you're going to rather than, you know, I certainly know a few guys who have sold their businesses um, and they then don't really know what to do. And it's not such a happy experience. Mm. And this needs to be, for me, a happy experience. Sure, sure, it's going to be. Undoubtedly, there are going to be elements of stress within the process. But if you have that picture, it's like, what's your picture? That would be my, that would be my, I, I think, my parting shot, uh, uh, Daryl, and my recommendation to any business owner thinking about what exit means. Sometimes exit might not actually be the right thing, by the way. And by looking at that picture, that's going to give you a, a clue. So think about your picture. Yeah, thanks, Colin. And yeah, I guess what came to mind as you were sharing that is is the basic principles that entrepreneurs should be doing all the time. And it, and it's looking forward. What what are entrepreneurs good at? It's it's vision. So if they can picture where they want to go. It, as you say, it's where you started the conversation. If you know where you're going to go, you've got half a chance of getting there. And yeah. Kobe summed it up nicely, begin with the end in mind. Yeah, for sure. That's brilliant, Colin. Look, I really appreciate you you're taking time out of your diary. I know everyone wants a piece of it um, and just sharing your insights with us today. Thank you, Darrell. Thanks very much.